Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Joking Dolphin Gaming Pod. I'm Mark, and as always, I'm joined by Matthew. Hello. And Nathan. Bonjour, everybody. How are we doing? Yeah. Not far bad for a Saturday evening. Mm, makes a change. Yeah, not, not too bad. Some uh, some decent, well, some pretty wet days, should I say, over the last few days. It's been a very odd week, though, here in the UK, hasn't it? Mm, yes. We, so we had a new Prime Minister. Well, it was that, yeah. Yeah. And then Her Majesty the Queen sadly passed away at the ripe old age of 96. I know, it's not, not bad going, is it? And 70 years of that on the throne. Mm. Yep, and not now we've bad. got a king on the front. Mm. King Charles Third. It's going to be weird saying God save the king now, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's unheard of for us, is it? It's just like, it's the queen's just been there, always. I feel like it's, it doesn't roll off the tongue as well either, does it? It's because we've never had to say it, that's the thing. So we've got to get used yeah, to it the, now. Yeah. yeah, true, true. You know. But are going to have to start getting used to singing it in the anthem. Yeah, that's it. That's all going to change. But a long life and a full life for old Lizzie. Yeah, right. it weren't bad, was it? Weren't yeah. bad. And now she's going to retire on the private island with Elvis and Tupac. Uh, Sure. You've been, you've been saying this uh, ever since she... It's, it's a conspiracy that I believe in. She didn't really yeah. die. Okay, games! Shall we talk about games? Because that's why we're here. Yes. Okay, so, literally, the Ubisoft Forward event has just finished. Mm. Which is why we are now clambering on here on a Saturday night. Yep. Uh, so, what, what interested people to begin with here? Well, I'll, I'll start off, because I don't think you guys paid too much attention attention to the pre-show uh that was on about half an hour before the, the main event i uh i was flicking through most of it but the, the first thing that they at least showed off had i had some vague interest in um which was ball brawlhalla sorry brawlhalla brawlhalla yeah uh which is a free-to-play Kind of like a Smash clone, I'd, I'd like to say. Um, it's had quite a good number of different different content and stuff. But in this trailer, the thing that caught my eye uh, was that they're introducing Castlevania stuff to it. Ooh. So they've got the characters of Simon Belmont and Alucard that's coming into the game. Um, and I might actually give this game a try, actually, with, with being free and... This content. I've never really paid attention too much to it. I know it's, it is quite popular on the mobile platform, but I think it's also on consoles and stuff. But no, I, I was like, any anything Castlevania related, I'll, I'll latch my eyes to and pay attention. Apart, <laughs> apart from those NFTs that they tried to sell. No, no, they don't ago. exist. They never exist. Let's move on. <laughs> um. Yeah, was there was there anything after after that you guys took a keen eye to? For me, um, the Division Two stuff. I, I'll be honest, I didn't even think they were supporting it anymore. But here they are announcing season ten and eleven. Yep, five year. whole years into it, I think we're mm. coming up. I mean, that's a game that we always say that we need to get into, and I played a bit of it. I think you guys have as well. And for what I played, I enjoyed. Mm. But, yeah, I definitely do think we need to get on it after Mark deleted FIFA. Yep. 
had to, had to that's, be done. That's an unfortunate story that I'm sure we'll tell later on. Or fortunate, you might think. Or maybe fortunate for one's sanity. Mm, yeah. Very true. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised that they're still going through with uh, Division 2, with all the new content and stuff. Definitely something I need to get back onto myself, because I got it when it first came out and pretty much rinsed it all the way to all the content that we could do and then left it at that pretty much. So I've really not been paying attention to these seasons that we've been releasing. So Yeah. Another one that I like the look of, um not for myself but just for just people in general, was Rocksmith Plus. So that was the game that taught people how to play guitar. So I mm. think that'd be a nice game to play. Now I saw people with real guitars, so I'm not sure if it uses any peripherals or not. It doesn't seem like it does. And it seemed quite in depth when you compare it to something like, well, Guitar Hero, for example. But I imagine it'd be good for people to use if they do want to learn guitar. Yeah, no, it, uh, I think it's, it's been around for quite a while, but I think this is like the the latest sort of update to um, Rocksmith. It does look quite interesting uh, for someone who's been playing rock band now for the last couple of years or so. So definitely would look would be interesting sort of if I wanted to move on to learning for real <laughs> this yeah. would be a, a good uh, learning tool to use yeah definitely and then onto a game that in my opinion should just end just dance another just dance <laughs> honestly do you remember the now cds that had all the music on yeah it's like them oh. they, they keep going and you think they've got to end by now we're on like now 6058. Well, it keep going because there's new music all the time. So it's going to be the same for Just Dance. Once there's, there's new music to dance to, I'll keep those games just, going. Well, just do it as DLC and just have the same game and just crack on. No, don't be daft. Sell the individual songs at 10p a pop. Make a killing that way. Just stop bringing it out every That's... single year. Fair Optimistic of you? I'd rather have a Freddo. <laughs> you can't get a Freddo for 10p anymore, any oh, way. That's true, that's true. You're lucky if you can pick him up for 25p. Mm. Just Dan should die, in my opinion. Mm. The game that interested about is uh, Skull and Bones. Mm. So the, the pirate adventure. Then they mentioned something about a pirate lair. Yeah. I can't remember what it was called now, though. They had a pirate lair. And then they had a load of... Um, people who were part of the insider program and they were quite clearly streamers designed to influence us weren't they yeah <laughs> it's like they're not regular people i'm not going to trust anything they say until real reviews come out but yeah i don't think much else was really shown about that was it no i don't think much more was shown than what we've already seen to be honest mm. but the other game that was interesting is uh riders republic which i've played quite a bit of mm, which yeah. I played quite, quite a bit with my brother and uh, they've got a new career coming which is BMX mm. and got some new sponsors in it including Vans which are quite mm. cool. but I don't know if you noticed that they had some sort of skateboard-esque thing it's like a ski board yeah. ski skateboard thing I don't know how to describe it it was basically a skateboard which looked like it had ski things on the bottom fair enough but, but I don't think they actually mentioned what it was called or how you get it, or... Uh, but I'm interested. Special vehicles that you can get, I imagine. You know, 
Tony Hawk's on snow. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Even though snowboard is pretty similar. But anyway. <laughs> but yeah. But shall we get to the biggie? Yeah, go on then. Assassin's Creed Mirage. Which was already leaked till we already knew about. But yeah, finally, officially yeah. announced. So they said it goes back to its roots. I, I've never understood what that actually means. It goes back to its roots, to be honest. That's... It, they have this cinematic trailer, and to me, it still is like any other Assassin's Creed game. Well, Unless I, you I feel think, any different, I don't know. Yeah, I think they were treating it as though this this is classic Assassin's Creed. So I still don't really know what that means. Everything before Origins, I'd imagine. Because, I mean, Assassin's Creed, for the last three uh, installments, have taken a more kind of RPG-heavy... Um, path and it's been kind of less about the assassinations and more about upgrading your assassin so I think they were just that that was the hint that they were trying to throw it's like if you liked classic Assassin's Creed here you go okay well I said it's going to be narrative driven mm-hmm. and that is going to be focused on the stealth and parkour elements which is still what the previous Assassin's Creed were weren't they or am I just reading it all wrong? Because oh, that's how I try and play them anyway. Stealth and park. I, hmm. I think definitely the early ones, that's what it were all about, wasn't the, it? The earlier ones, for sure. I think, I, think I never replayed the... the early ones, that's the thing. Ah, okay. My first Maybe one was it, Black then. Flag. Yeah, my first one was the first one. <laughs> so, I think it's, it's just it's more of a focus on feeling like an assassin rather than oh, look, that guy is level 35. I can't do anything about him because I'm level 3. Hmm. So so it's apparently set 20 years before Valhalla is. Yes. You play a street thief called Basim, I think his name was. Yes. Apparently he appears in Valhalla. I've not played it yet, but he's a part of it. Makes sense. Whether we say it's 20 years before Valhalla. Mm. Um, and it's set in Baghdad. Hmm. Interesting setting. Looked nice though. It no, re- really reminds me of um, Jerusalem in the first game. The architecture and stuff looks really nice. And it's coming out next year, but no yep. definitive period for next year. Just next year. Holiday 2023, maybe. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> no Assassin's Creed, probably. <laughs> but they said if you pre-order it, you get something called the Forty Thieves side quest. I think that's what they called it. Yes. And then they showed off some collector's case. But they showed it so quickly, I didn't even get to see what was actually in it. I presume the game. You got a statue. Uh, so. I can remember the statue. The statue looked quite nice. But that, else? that was about as much as I remember as well. <laughs> Probably stickers. There's always stickers. Probably an art book. There's always an art book. Yeah. Digital music, maybe. Yeah. Extra DLC. Just, just going back to the trailer quickly, there was one aspect of it that, that I really enjoyed. It was the bit when he cut his own finger off, like Yakuza style. That was pretty interesting. Like a yeah. rite of passage. Well, that's what uh, assassins are typically known to do, the the whole assassin creed. The reason why that finger comes off is so you don't catch it with your hidden blade. Oh, right. That's interesting. Mm. Just, change your, just change your weapon, then. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Oh, that's, if it keeps the whole point of the hidden blades is yeah. quick assassins. But people know that you're assassin because that finger's missing. 
So it it's a dead giveaway, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I, I didn't make the rules. Have, you never have gloves that fit either. That's true. Well, you just have some, some floppy glove finger. Fingerless gloves. I don't know. Yeah, that's what you need. There you go, fingerless gloves. Sort. I, d- I don't know if they have fingerless gloves in 14th century, but hey ho. I quite like the look of Marion Rabbit's Spark of Sparks of Hope. I, I like I like the first game. I've not completed it yet. I need to go through it at some point. But I like the the showing of the the boss battle. Are you playing with Mario and Bowser and I think it was Peach Rabbit thing? Yeah, I mean, I like I like that Rayman's involved. That's pretty cool. Mmm, that that's some of that caught me off guard. Having Rayman in, that'd be cool. Would you rather just have a Rayman game? I would, but you know, he's dead now. He's dead now. <laughs> he's a, oh, okay. Ray, Rayman Apart from the big Smash game. <laughs> so. Yeah, I think other than that, um, the other Assassin's Creed uh, news that we got as well. So there's going to be three other games that we're anticipating in the future that they mentioned. Yeah. So um, we got, I believe it was Assassin's Creed, codename Jade, uh, which is going to be set in feudal China. No. No, I probably Co- got that wrong. No, codename Red, which is feudal Japan. Yeah, there was feudal Japan, and then the other one is in China. Hexay, I think it's called. And that was that the fourth Jade? game as well. I can't remember what Hexay was, but Jade was the one where we don't we didn't get tell, told anything about it. No, all, all that we know about Jade was that it's coming to mobile. Oh well, no. that's probably why <laughs> we don't care. Then. So maybe that's why you don't care too much about it. So that was the mobile title. So Assassin's Creed, codename Red. Is the one that's in feudal Japan. Yeah. That seems to be the game that's going to be continuing the uh, latest trend of Assassin's Creed, where it's going to be big open world, RPG focused. So, uh, what is the point of going back to the roots, as they go on, as I say, for this one? And then, um, then going back to that? To get money off both bases. It's probably just, uh, probably just more of like a, a sell celebration of the original game they want to it's almost like mirage is almost kind of like a remake of the first game in effect but i think that, that there has been like a chunk of the fan base that have kind of fallen off a bit from the rpg heavy focus and they, they want like a classic you know being an assassin be able to assassinate oh, go back everyone play and stuff. all right yeah grumpy old man uh, yeah, you know you know me well <laughs> yeah and like I said, there was the fourth one as well, which we have literally no no news about other than a trailer called Codename Hex. So, but apparently this is going to be a very different Assassin's Creed than we've seen before. And that was the only other news set in the future. So. Yeah, I'd like to. I'd, I'd actually like uh, a, a present day Assassin's Creed. No, where the future. story was told. Hello. Space no. Assassin's, Creed. Assassin's Creed 3000. That's what we're yeah. Blades that don't chop your finger off. Set on the rings of Saturn. <laughs> they talked about running on the Great Wall of China, running on yeah, the rings running of Saturn. Saturn. Yes. Don't it's tell me you won't play wild. it. You'd play it. I oh, know I'd play it. There you but, go. You know, firstly, I want a present day story set. I want to say present day be boring. What would you well, do now? That's the whole point of the story of the first games is that yeah. it was actually a present day thing. Then you went into history. 
all the stuff that's in this, all the bad stuff in Assassin's Creed games is the modern day stuff. Don't at me. Actually, yeah, a modern day one would be crap. People would just be going around shooting each other. They wouldn't be shooting. They don't know how to use guns. What if it were present day, twenty twenty two? Oh, what's a gun? Get popped. I, I don't know if it's twenty twenty two. I think it might be a bit further than that. You can't bring a knife <laughs> to a gunfight. Not in modern times. Blades won't get you anywhere. That's it. You got to have a full set. Says you when I shoot the blade at you. They've been drone warfare. Oh, that'd be really cool. That's called watchdogs. Uh... <laughs> Another Ubisoft original. I know it. Yeah. Okay, so should we move on to other news then? Yeah, why yeah, not? Yeah, why not? So I tell you about Halo Infinite. There's been news about it. Ooh. Ooh. Mm. So 343 Industries have announced that they've opted to cancel the much-promised local split-screen campaign co-op from Halo Infinite. As they decided, yep, as they have want, they've decided they want to allocate the resources elsewhere. So you probably see where this Ooh. is going. They want to focus more instead on the live service aspect. Oh, joy. Not that they were doing that to begin with anyway. The live service. Sorry, you'll have to bleep that bit out. Sort the live service aspect. I want to play Halo with my friends. Well, you can't, I'm afraid. Ain't happening. Well, you can play the online portion, but not a co-op. But it's, it is a particular sour point because back in 2017, the uh, 343 executive called Bonnie Ross stated that with the lack of co-op in Halo 5, it was one of their painful learnings. I said that for any FPS going forward, they will always have split screening. Lies. It's it's upsetting. Because that was one of the best bits about Halo. Well, it's because they promised it. And, uh... and well, and they promised it, obviously, yeah. Mm. I'm really disappointed. Mm. There's an almost two decade Halo fan to this. It's a slap in the face to the entire fan base. This is not what they want. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'm projecting because this is not what I want, but I don't. I don't think <laughs> no, the vast majority of people want this. No, it's not being received well at all. So yeah, there's that. Well, it wasn't just Ubisoft uh, that had their own event recently. What else happened? Uh, so there was Disney and Marvel D23 event as well. The game showcase that they had showing off all their. Pretty new games and updates to existing games. Um, I don't know if you guys caught this, but so the the main stuff that I took from it uh, was Marvel's Midnight Suns has a new release date now, so that will be December the second of this year. So it's still just about clinging on to the year coming up. Uh, I don't think we'll, there was. We'll see about that. Yeah, well. No. There was a there was like a, an animated trailer that came with it, but I don't think there was any new sort of announcements of heroes or or whatnot. So I didn't pay too much attention to that. Uh, there was also a new trailer for Avatar: Frontiers of Pandora, uh, which is coming out later this year. Pretty looking game. The the one that Ubisoft is making. Um, not too much to it, other than it was it was kind of from a first-person perspective from one of the um, Navi, I think it is. So, just kind of going through the jungle and then just uh, getting away from the, the humans as we're also the bad guys. So, Humans are the bad guys. 
Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> Do we know if it's going to be a VR game? Because I think this would be like one of the perfect games to be in VR. I don't think it is. Oh, I've not heard anything in VR about it. Just going through knowledge. the process of like getting into a tank and then in VR transporting yourself into this blue creature. <laughs> I forgot what they were called now. Navi. Navi, yeah. <laughs> into one of the Navi. Uh, there's also a trailer for something called Avatar Reckoning, which uh, appears to be like a, a third-person shooter based in like the same universe. Um, I think they mentioned it might be like an MMO. I couldn't be too sure, but I kind of lost interest. I was like, oh, another Avatar game, great. It's gonna be like the movies. Uh, they all just come out at once. So there was that. Uh, there's going to be an update to Lego Star Wars the sc- si- the Skywalker Saga, uh, which is called the well, it's, it's, it's going to be a new edition essentially called the Galactic Edition. Uh, that's coming out in November the first. So it's adding six new character packs, totaling thirty new playable characters, um, some from the Andor series. And others that were missing from Clone Wars. I think it was like, um, it was Captain Rex, and it was a popular clone trooper, I think, is uh, getting added in. So there's that. Uh, there's a new Marvel card game uh, that's coming out. It's called Marvel Snap. Uh, I believe it's, it's quite similar to, if you ever heard of Hearthstone, I think it's called. Uh, that's pretty popular. I think it's like a card game based on League of Legends. I could be wrong there. Uh, but that would come to, I think it's mobile platforms. Uh, there is a new Mickey Mouse platformer game, a four-player co-op one. Uh, it's called Illusion Island. So if you've ever played the ones on like Mega Drive, um, which I really adored. I thought it was some, uh, some of the really, really good platforming games. Um, very fun to play. Uh, that's coming. Uh, I think it's coming to all consoles. I didn't see any information on the consoles, but I will assume otherwise. And there's some updates to some other games. Uh, We saw another look at Return to Monkey Island. Uh, Further look to that, that's coming out very, very soon, I believe, if uh, I'm correct. I think this coming week, actually, I believe. Could be right, could be wrong. Don't call me. Uh, (laughs) Coming soon. There is. Yeah. Uh, there's going to be a Toy Story expansion to Disney Dreamlight Valley, which has come out recently. I've been hearing some good reviews about that, funnily enough. It's very much like a, a Disney take on Animal Crossing. So Nathan has just posted that September the 19th for Monkey Island. Thank you, Nathan. <laughs> uh, so is that. Some other updates to some other games. There was Disney Speed Storm, uh, something called Disney Mirrorverse, which I, I think is like a, a team-based uh, battle game similar to Marvel Strike Force. I think could be wrong. Uh, there was a new, oh, the, sorry, there was a first gameplay look at Aliens: Dark Descent, uh, which is the sort of um, is the the over-the-top isometric uh, game that's coming up. And then probably the three biggest things that I think came out of that event 
Um, firstly, there is a, uh, a new game from the studio that's led by Emmy Henning. So not too much is known about what this will actually be. Other than it will star Captain America and Black Panther in World War Two. Uh, which sounds very intriguing to me. I think there's also there's um, there's going to be like a playable um, U.S. soldier and also a playable uh, Wakanda elite soldier, I believe, as well. Um, so look forward to seeing more of that. Um, I think the games that Amy's always worked on have always been pretty pretty high standards. The, you know, the Uncharted uh, trilogy, because I don't think she worked on the fourth one. I think I think she left before then. No. Yeah. Um, she was working on a Star Wars game as well, and then that got canned. Yes, she was working on a Star Wars one, and that unfortunately got canned. That, that was going to be like based on like playing as a smuggler on Tatooine, I think it was something like that. But sounds pretty intriguing. Let's see more of what what this will be about. Um, there is going to be a new Tron game. It's called Tron ooh. Identity. I like Tron. So uh, yeah, the uh, only thing uh, that we know. <laughs> The only thing we know about it is... Am I not going to like this? <laughs> the only thing that I know from what they were showing off is that it's actually going to be a visual novel game. Okay. So, could be interesting. I don't know. I've been enjoying, obviously, Digimon Survive, which is a visual novel based in the Digimon series. So <laughs> I think that's a, a game type that we need more of in the West. Visual novels? Mm. We don't seem to have many. Could do, I suppose. Could work. Uh, and then the other announcement is Nantic, the makers of Pokemon Go, are making a Marvel clone, in effect. It's called Marvel World of Heroes. Oh, I thought you were going to say it was Marvel, Marvel Go. Go. <laughs> yeah. Marvel Go, yes. Uh, no, Marvel World of Heroes, uh, a new AR game from Nantic that's going to see you collecting heroes from around the world and do stuff is about as much as I know about that one. That makes you sound like, that makes you sound like a villain, collected all the heroes. Well, you know, why not? So, so do you think the bit. raids will be collecting the villains? The raids? You could see it. Or will it be like Maybe. loads of little, like, rubbish heroes trying to get Superman or something? Superman's not, Superman's not Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness! Ooh, this is a late night podcast. Uh... Um, I'm trying to think. Right, right. So it's a load of Spider Men trying to get, trying to kill Galactus. I know he's a baddie, but yeah, yeah, we will we'll go with that. Uh, Galactus, yeah. So I don't think there was a release down that I couldn't be wrong, but. The, on yep. that game, it might be more like the Harry Potter one, because there's not mm. many there's not many characters in that, so it'll probably take more than that more from that than Pokemon Go, I'd say. I really can't remember the uh, Harry Potter one. I played it very briefly. I was like, "What is this?" Yeah, I was saying when, when Pokemon Go first uh, came out, I gave it a go because I thought, "Oh, it might be quite interesting to play." And I think I picked my house, set my character up, and then that was about it. Yeah. No, that was the uh, that was the Disney Marvel event. Quite recently, um, well, yesterday, I was reading an article by IGN, and it posted it posed quite an interesting question. And the question was, 
what should PlayStation do after Call of Duty has gone? Hypothetically speaking. Because what if Microsoft, if, if Microsoft moved it as an exclusive? Now, I thought about this, and I think they should resurrect one of their own IPs to fill the void if that was the case. Like you maybe Killzone. Killzone is on the list. I personally really like the Resistance series on the PS3. I'd like another one of them. Or even a Time Splitters, going back a bit further. Well, they there's a Time Splitters anyway. Yeah. Is there? Yeah. Yeah. What? <laughs> this is I'm going to look it's very early in development, though. Um, I think if they really wanted to be like bold about it, they would buy EA and make Battlefield. Medal of Honor. Deeper. Bring back Medal of Honor. Yeah, Medal of Honor. That's a good shout, yeah. Oh, yeah, but like what you said, Matt. Buy EA. Make, yeah. make FIFA exclusive. See how they like it. <laughs> It's, it's, it's all getting and then crazy. I move it to Xbox. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not. Well, nothing. I'm not con- Maybe they should just do nothing. What can I mean, they do? Really? Why do they, why do they have to, why do they have to do something? Because they're making the argument that Duty is incredibly important for PlayStation, which uh, I can see. But I mean, I didn't personally buy my PlayStation for Duty. so. But would it assist you in buying an Xbox? For Call of Duty, no. Could you go without it? I, th- I think I could. I could go go without Call of Duty. You start doing Call of Duty Mobile. That's what <laughs> exactly. <I'm sorry. laughs> yeah, that's it. There, there you go. Hey, Warzone's coming to mobile very soon. That got leaked. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd, to be honest, I don't think it's ever going to happen because they'd be putting leaving too much money on the table to make it exclusive. Well, they they keep on. Like telling Sony, look, we're going to be after three years, we're going to keep on your platform. Don't worry. And then Sony, like, no, that's not good enough. So, like, what else can Microsoft do? Tell them that we're not taking Call of Duty away from we, you. We're just going to have to see what happens. This, there's no point even speculating, is there? We can keep going back and forth until the cows come home. No. Time will tell. Right, do you want to hear about a stupid tweet? What have you been saying now, Mark? Come on. Hey. Hey. No, this is uh, this is from the CEO of Striking Distance stu- stu- Studios. S- studios? That's the word I'm looking for. Um, Glenn Schofield. Now, you know Glenn Schofield, don't you? Yeah. Mm. So, he's uh, in charge of the upcoming sci-fi horror, uh, the Callisto Protocol. Mm. And he put out a now-deleted tweet that said this. I only talk about the game during an event. We are working six to seven days a week. Nobody's forcing us. Exhaustion, tired, COVID, but we're working. Bugs, glitches, performance fixes. One last pass through audio. 12 to 15 hour days. This is gaming. Hard work, lunch, dinner working. You do it because you love it. Uh, and let's just say, this didn't go down well in the gaming community. So basically the CEO is saying nobody's forcing them whilst he's forcing them to. That's that's what he's saying, isn't it? I mean, It sounds a little bit like it, yeah. yeah. So Jason Sarai, you know, the uh, Bloomberg journalist, 
he did some tweets in response to this, which pretty much cover, I think, how most people feel about this. And he said, uh, this from a studio head is crunch culture defined. Of course, nobody is forced to work insane hours. But imagine the reduced bonuses and lack of promotion opportunities if you don't. You do it because you love it. Weaponized passion. This is why people burn out of gaming. Such a weird coincidence how the guy bragging about how his team works 67 days a week for 12 to 15 hours a day because they love it. It also happens to be the guy who controls all their salaries, titles, and current employment status. True. Fair, it's not fair as comment. If, it's not as if the developers come yeah. out and said they do it because they love it. Yeah. 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 But Glenn did put out, an, I guess, an attempted apology tweet, which said, anyone who knows me knows how passionate I am about the people I work with. Earlier, I tweeted about how proud I was of the effort and hours the team was putting in. That was wrong. We value passion and creativity, not long hours. I'm sorry to the team for coming across like this. It doesn't really matter though, does it? I mean, the cat's out of the bag. That's that's clearly what they're doing. So it's all very misguided, isn't it? Terrible working practice. They shouldn't be gaming. Do better. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's. I feel it's, it's it's a bit unfortunate on kind of how how he's kind of made that tweet because like if that was like him and he's happy to do that, then that's yeah. fine. Great. That's great for you. Yeah. But you you kind of come you've kind of come out and made it seem like it's you're making your developers do that and it's like yeah like i mean if one of the developers also came out and tweeted and like supported that okay fair enough like that's your progressive if you want to do those kind of hours that's fine but in a current climate where any you know talk of crunch is uh frowned upon then you know you're going to expect this kind of response, really. When I, when I read this, I did think, uh, I thought about it, because you don't really hear about this in, in many other industries generally, or it's kept quiet. Mm. But I think it's due to the deadlines being that tight and that final, because when generally when companies come out and say, right, we're going to have the game out for this date, the, well, in recent years, <laughs> they've pushed things back. Which I think is is good that they they feel they can do that, but some companies don't feel they can do that, and that's where they get into the end of the release and they've got to get it out, and that's when they feel they've got to start spending more time on the game to get it into a point where you can get it released, which is unfortunate. Because mm. I, th- I think, or I mean, for us and for for everyone out there they'd rather maybe the game take an extra couple of months, it'd be done right and the workers have the best conditions um, and we get it a bit later than them hit a November deadline to get out for the holidays. But then again, that affects sales potentially. But then the game could be a mess and then you've got a PR yeah. disaster on your hands. Well, as we saw with um, Cyberpunk. That's, that's well, to be honest, we've seen it with numerous games, to be honest. So. Mm. Mm. It's a, it's a difficult situation. Yeah. It is. But delays are good. Just delay the game. We can't yeah. be having this constantly. Why would anybody want to go work in the gaming industry if this is what it's like? There must be, it, it must put so many people off. Yeah. Funnily enough, um, my cousin, well, my nephew, cousin, nephew, um, he's recently been accepted to do like a game design course at college and he's like, he's dead chuffed because he, he's into like video games and stuff himself. And I fear for the boy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm <gonna> <laughs> like Simon will be knocked out of soon enough. That's it, yeah. Well, I hope they do well. Go and work at Sumo or something. 
one day. Yeah. Well, speaking of Cyberpunk, we actually have some new news. Mm. Potential positive news and maybe a little negative, but we'll go through that. So they came out. Uh, they, had a, they had a recent, uh, what do they call them? Night, Night City Wire. Night City Wire, yeah. Stream uh, to talk about some of the latest news. So Cyberpunk is getting a new expansion uh, mm. coming out uh, next year, which is always good. New, more more stuff to do. So it's called uh, Phantom Liberty, and you'll see the return of one Johnny Silverhand, uh, which which Mister Mister Reeves, Mister Keanu Reeves, was all happy to mention as well. They'll be coming back. Uh, unfortunately, this expansion will not be coming to the last gen versions of Cyberpunk, which. Let's be honest, the game itself should never have been on last year. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't good. Um, I mean, it's gotten better from what I've heard. Um, but yeah, it's, it's no good. So uh, they didn't show off too much of it uh, other than just going through the... So your main, uh, I suppose, the main character that you play as V... Um, Recited a an oath for the new United States of America. Interesting. Uh, I think it, it opens up like a, a new location in Nice, I believe. Um, I'm not sure what the area was called. I think uh, I might have missed it when I was when I was watched through. Um, but cool, I suppose. Um, apparently, other than the expansion, um, Cyberpunk will be getting. Um, we're calling a wave of quality of life updates with its final major patch for last gen consoles. Um, so you'll be getting new content with that. Um, you'll be able to equip gear that is going to be inspired by the uh, Netflix anime series, Cyberpunk Edge Runners, um, which they also showed some stuff of that as well. That looks absolutely insane. I actually can't wait to watch it. It looks really good. Um, don't know if you guys. Oh, I don't think Mark. I don't think it's Mark's kind of thing. I'll be watching it because I like. Oh, you will. I like the Pulse Cyberpunk aesthetic. Mm. So I'll, I'll give it a shot. Uh, and then. Was that soon, didn't it? Yes, I'm sure. If we'll find out why I continue looking. Uh, <laughs> apparently, in, ooh, same here sometime next week. Um, and they're also including a in-game arcade cabinet that will let you play the game that's called Roach Race, which is just racing horse, cool. I think. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, a thing. Yes, Roach. Yeah, it's just clicked. Yeah, cool. So that's that. More, more Cyberpunk. I need to get back into it at some point. I dropped off last time I said I played it, so <laughs> I need to pick it back. Right, so let's move on to Pokemon, and Mark can have a kip if he wants for the next five minutes or so. Yep, so, yeah, we had a new Pokemon Scarlet and Violet trailer, and we got to see new hardware, new Pokemon, and a bit more about the story itself. Yes, we did, yep. So uh, I believe the trailer start well, it started off with the, the new hardware that we're getting. Um, so uh, I believe that is going to be a new 
Switch OLED. Am I correct in that? Yeah. Yep. Uh, so the two Joy-Cons, one is going to be uh, Scarlet and the other one's going to be Violet. Uh, thunk could it. you guess? <laughs> um, so on the on the front of both of them, uh, they've got each uh, of the school's crests. So there's that. And then on, uh, I think I think it's the back of the Joy-Cons and then the full switch as well. You've got this kind of like um, graffiti art of, of stuff that's in, in the game. It, it looks quite nice, actually. It looks really, it pops out quite nicely. And then the switch dock uh, is in, uh, I think it's full white. Well, at least the fronts are, maybe not the where the switch actually docks. Um, and then you've also got um, the two uh, legendary Pokemon as well in their like scarlet and violet colours, which it, it does look quite nice actually. Um, it does yeah. I'm, I'm quite tempted because I don't have an OLED yet. Yeah, that might be so, the one that <laughs> gives you the first upgrade. Yeah, that might be the itch uh, to scratch. So. Yeah, I do really like the Joy Cons. I mean, mm. to be honest, I'm not totally fussed about the Switch itself with like the graffiti on the back, but I do like them Joy Cons. They look nice. Hmm. Yeah. I'm sure Mark's ecstatic to uh, to pre-order one uh, while he's looking at his phone. Anyway, <laughs> he, he's getting one pre-ordered as we speak. Yeah, that's it. That's I'm, looking, I'm, just, I'm just, I, I, I'm just looking to see what they look like. All right. That's it, Matt. We've planted the seed. Yeah. <laughs> they, they're nice colours. I'll give them that. Yeah. See, look, oh, like see, it. it's catching up. I'm still not buying it, but. Oh. This guy. Maybe I put it at bingo. I'll, the I'll shield, the shields ruin it. If it was just the colours. Mm. Well, to me that looks a bit more orange than scarlet. Oh, the red. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the scarlet. But but orange and purple are my favourite colours. Mm. So they are, but they are very close. Pretty close. We'll 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 take that. We'll take that as a win. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so after that, we we got a bit more uh, news on scarlet and violet itself. Um, so they went into a little bit more depth of what the three story arcs are going to be within the game so you've got your traditional um pokemon league gym bowel slash victory road thing that you'll be going through um so you can go through each each gym um however you want how you choose there's there's no structure to it to it anymore uh, it's pretty much whichever gym you want to start with you go to and I think we, we got news on, um, I think one of the early town's gym leaders is a grass type. I, f- I, I didn't pick up the name, unfortunately. Um, but interestingly enough, he he uses a sudu wudu, mm-hmm. um, which is typically a ground, ground grass. Rock. No, it's not actually a grass. I don't think it's ever been is a grass not? type. I don't think so. Are we sure? I could very well be wrong, because what I was going to mention was that it does have a crystallised type of grass. I'm sure Nathan will correct me. Wow, it's rock It's rock type only. Rock type? Ah. I did not know that. I thought it was, thought it was type. dual type. Ah. Nope. See, never been a grass type. So. Right, so it's finally getting the type that it deserves. Yep, there we go. Let's go that one. Uh, so th- there's that kind of side of stuff. Uh, there is the 
second story arc uh, seems to be revolved around a new villainous team as well. Uh, villainous in that they're all kind of school dropouts, in effect. Uh, <laughs> so uh, they call themselves Team Star, and what you uh, essentially have to do, and this is where um, a new the new feature that's coming in, or yeah, new feature that's coming into the game will will um, be quite heavily used here. So you have to fight a like a, a, a group of grunts kind of all at once before you can get to the um, I suppose the maybe how can we a higher up, shall we say? Maybe not a leader, but like a higher up that's in Team Star. That's on like this. Um, car thing you saw in like one of the previous trailers they had like a, a one of cars that were coming out of the checkered flag routes essentially the higher up is going to be sort of like studying i think you have like a traditional popcorn bow with him mm-hmm. but you'll fire all these grunts almost all at once and you'll be using this new feature that's called let's go not to be confused with the pokemon let's go games try not to get too confused yes it's silly um so the new let's go feature is you essentially you can send out what looks to be your entire pokemon team and they can have auto battles with other pokemon out in the wild as well right so it's like a bit more of a traditional rpg in that in a way so how this will work is you'll i don't know whether this will work with just the the standard pokemon that you can throw out and it follows you around kind of stuff but you can throw out um, a Pokemon, and in the area there is in, or I think you can direct the direction that it goes into. It will hunt for items, um, a bit like um, Pokemon Legend Arceus, uh, get that kind of stuff, and then any Pokemon that it comes in the vicinity of, it will have an auto battle with where you literally don't have to do anything. It will battle the Pokemon itself. So I think this is going to help a lot with kind of grinding aspect of pokemon yeah um whether there's not been too much details about whether if you throw the pokemon out and it has a battle whether the experience it gets will be for itself or whether that will also be shared with his team i'm not too sure on that kind of side of it but looks quite intriguing the uh the new feature definitely to see a little bit more from it um and then the third storyline was all about um there's a finding these these plants um, that I forget it's something important to do the crystallizing. But what you're gonna have now is you're gonna have um, what they call Titan Pokemon in in a way of certain roots, I think. So what they've shown is uh, it showed it off as there's a new crab Pokemon that's called Cloth, I think. Um, I'm sure you can guess its um, type in being a crab. It's a rock type. Yep. It's going to be water. Yep, forty. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, so that's a new Pokemon. But then there's like there's this massive version that essentially plays out like a raid battle. Ah, oh, right. So, and these were what they were called like t- Titan Pokemon. Um, so that'll be quite interesting to see. Um, see how that plays out. Um, something else that I forgot to mention with the gym battles as well. Is that you'll be doing little um, mini game stuff as well before battling the gym leader. So you know something like um, Sword and Shield. Yeah. 
you had like that um, almost like test to do before you fight the leader. Yeah. There'll be more of this kind of stuff that's added to um, the gym battles. Yeah. Well, there's always been little games and stuff that you've had to do, even on the earlier Pokemon games. Like, for example, when you had to get your third gym badge in Kanto, you had to find the switches to get to Lieutenant Surge and like little mini things like that. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's always that kind of stuff. Um, just try to think what else. Oh, sorry. So the rare ingredient or plant that, um, that's in the game is called Herba Mysteria. Cool, I suppose. There was there was one other thing, because they, they revealed two other new Pokemon that honestly looked like they were from Mega Man. I saw one of them, the like gold one with um, like, the cannon. Yeah, like... Mega Man villains or even like Digimon, it was um, interesting to say at least. Uh, if I can bring up their. Uh, so there's one, the one that, that I just referred to was called Armor Rogue. So that's the yellow one that looks a bit like a knight. Yes, uh, I think the other one that's um, that's in blue oh, or violet maybe um, with like swords for hands. I think it's called Seraledge. So they actually looked pretty cool. Um, so the one thing that I thought was more interesting with Sarah Ledge is that he's got like a he's got a new blade move that does physical damage, but then also takes um, absorbs HP. So it's a bit like a almost like a Giga Drain, but for fire types. Mm. So that's kind of cool. Uh, yeah, that was pretty much everything on on Pokemon. Do you want to hear about the highest selling physical media in the UK? This year. Yeah. Highest selling physical media this year. Yeah. So okay. Nintendo Switch games are the highest selling physical media in the UK now. Oh. So, so this is ticket from Games Luster. So a list of best selling physical entertainment formats in the UK has been shared by the UK's official charts company and lists the amount of money made from sales of different types of physical media. media. Uh, sitting comfortably at the top of the chart is Nintendo Switch. In 2022, year to date, Switch games have made 88.6 million, a 12.5% drop from 2021, which had 101 million. I've got a list of the top eight physical media formats in the UK. So number eight is PC games. I didn't think, yeah, I didn't think people <sighs> still bought physical games. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, same. it's quite strange, that, isn't it? We're, we're like Steam and everything. But it's not a massive amount of money. Com- compared to the rest, it's uh, it's only five hundred and seventy nine thousand. It's nothing. Yeah, that's a drop off of thirty point seven percent since last year. Wow. Uh, number seven is Xbox games. Hmm. So that's uh, uh, just under eighteen million now. Uh, six is just Blu-ray films. Five is DVDs. So DVDs are outselling Blu-rays. Wow. Four is CDs. Number three is PlayStation games. As I said, number one is the Switch. What do you think number two is? Final records. Correct. Final records. Number two, wow. 80 million. Going strong in that vinyl. Yeah. Quite a disparity between PlayStation and Xbox there, though. Yeah, definitely. So Xbox is just under 18, and PlayStation games is just under 80 million. But I think that's because a lot of Xbox users have bought into Game Pass and that's probably their that might be a sole yeah. way of playing Maybe. games. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. It, that may well be the case. But yeah, there you go. Interesting. Switch doing well. Hmm. 
What about the sad news that we've uh, that we've had over the last week or so? Can't remember exactly the date, unfortunately. Um, but a, uh, a journalist from Kotaku, uh, Mike Fahey, I might have butchered his name, I do apologise, has unfortunately passed away um, due to health complications. Um, he was someone on Kotaku that I read articles of very frequently, just because how how random they could be. But also, um, he, he did a lot of the kind of niche anime stuff. So whenever like something like I don't know, Yu-Gi-Oh! Or, like Digimon came along with a new game, he would always be the one to review it. So I'd always look at his reviews, see why see what if I what I agreed with, what I didn't agree with. And nine times out of ten I generally agreed with it. So um it's always sad to lead it to sort of lose someone within the gaming industry in the market kind of who they are. Um and I'm sure it'll be a, a big loss. Like the article that Kotaku sort of put out, there's a lot of sort of current and former um staff members that worked with Mike uh, that sort of read kind of nice things about him and stuff. So I would I would encourage sort of go read it and see all the nice comments and whatnot. But yeah, never nice to lose anyone really, but especially in the gaming industry. Yeah. Also with his friends and family. Okay. Shall we finish with some science and video games? Some science. Mm, some science okay so you guys might be aware or you might have seen it in games basically um there's a system in video games called dynamic difficulty adjustment or dda for sure so basically a game recognizes how well or badly you're playing and then the difficulty might change based on how you're performing Mm. so if you're doing well it might get more difficult to provide more of a challenge for you and so this is taken from a website called tech explore In a recent study published in Expert Systems with Applications, a research team from the Guangzhou Institute of Science and Technology in Korea decided to put a twist on the DDA approach. Instead of focusing on the player's performance, they developed DDA agents that adjusted the game's difficulty to maximise one of four different aspects related to a player's satisfaction. Challenge, competence, flow and balance... The DDA agents were trained via machine learning using using data gathered from actual human players who played a fighting game against various artificial intelligence and then answered a questionnaire about their experience. Using an algorithm called Monte Carlo Tree Search, each DDA agent employed actual game data and simulated data to tune the opposing AI's fighting style in a way that maximised a specific emotion or affective state. So basically what they're saying is they developed a system that changes difficulty based on your emotions whilst you're playing them. That'd be pretty good for pillow clubs, wouldn't it? I'm sure it's already on there, to be honest. I feel like the more angry I get, the yeah. the, the worse it feels to play. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's like, I see you getting angry. Here, play the Mormon Pirates. That's what we want. <laughs> that'd be they, they that'd be amazing, wouldn't from God. <laughs> but that, that's, that's, I, I quite like that. I'd, I'd rather have that. Like, I, mm. Just... I'm not enjoying the game. Make it easy for me. <laughs> Why would you not have that? I like difficulty to be based on like other other like parameters though. Like the more hungry you are, the like harder the game gets. <laughs> Try and remind you to like you need to feed yourself. Just go away. <laughs> it's not spawning food in the game world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
But it gives you like little hints. Maybe you want to play. Oh, I forgot what that game was now. Bug snacks. Oh, the game just pauses and says, go eat. That's it. Just won't let you play. How does it know, though? Is it like taking like what you're saying through the mic or something? I don't know. They don't go into explaining that. It might be facial recognition, maybe. I don't know. Mm, could be. Why is it? There is a game where if you play after a certain amount of time, it does come up with like a, a pop-up, like, oh, you've played for this, take a break. Yeah. I once got an achievement on FIFA for playing it for a certain amount of hours straight. That's not an achievement, is it, really? <laughs> no, I felt <laughs> disgusting when it came up. It's not it a surprise. It was something like going to well, yeah, there's, there's a... oh, What is that? I can't, I can't remember. It might be a mobile title or something. I remember it, it, it pops up doing that. I remember during one of the um, install bits of Metal Gear Solid 4, it did say stuff like that. Like, oh, remember to take regular breaks when you're playing video games. It's, smoking's a bad habit. And then this steak on the load. Yeah, they smoke. Like yeah. <laughs> Good times. And I guess that's it for the news. Shall we move on to what we currently play? Let's do it. Yeah, let's go on. Shall I stop? Yeah, go on. Yeah, sure. Okay, so I've only played the one thing. And that is Inside. Oh, okay. So this was developed by Playdead, who previously made Limbo. Okay. Now, you might remember Limbo, like a dark platformer. Get chased by possibly the most realistic acting spider in video games. Bit freaker. Um, so inside is once again a puzzle platformer, and very much like Limbo, you play the game as a young boy who once again finds himself in a forest at the start. Whereas Limbo, he wakes up there, and inside he is running away from something into the forest. So the first thing you'll notice is that you are simply thrown into the game. So there's no menu screen, no tutorial. You're not guided in any way. Uh, there's no button prompts. Uh, there's not even a hood. So it's just you in this world. So you begin in this dark forest, and one of the striking things you notice is that there's no music. So all you can hear is like the slight winds and the rustling of the leaves and that kind of thing. And you can tell from the start, it's pretty ominous and bleak world this child is living in. So, And the game is made to make you feel isolated and helpless. So in the early stages, you have you're trying to get away from an unknown group uh, of people who are hunting you through this forest. I won't go into who they are for spoiler reasons, but um, you have a few actions at your disposal. So you can only have, uh, so you can just jump and you have an interact button, which you can use to pull, push objects, you know, open up barriers and that kind of thing. So you, the player, can only move left and right, uh, but the game is in like a 2.5D perspective. So that can lead to some quite interesting moments. So, for example, during one moment, um, you're crouching through the forest and in the background, you can see the headlights of a vehicle. And as you pass, uh, a torchlight comes on next to it and they spot you. And then that person rushes out from the background into the foreground plane and gives chase to you. So uh, the game is mostly like grayscale color palette, very much like Limbo, which is like black and white, wasn't it? Um, Mm. But there are a few moments of color in there. Uh, it's, I don't think it's quite as dark in its colour tone as Limbo was, but it's it's close. Um, and it is one of those games where it is designed to make you fail at times. The level design on occasion is made to screw you over. So 
particularly during these chase sequences. So, for example, early on, there's a moment where you jump off a ledge and a vehicle spots you and it gives chase. And as you're running, uh, you get shot with a dart and you're done. Basically, that's, that's the end of that. So no matter how many times you do that, you will never outrun them. But mm. you, you keep trying it anyway. But what you actually have to do is leap off the ledge and then turn around and hide under the ledge until the vehicle passes. And there's things like that. There's, there's moments like that where you think you're supposed to do one thing, but you're actually supposed to do another thing. The boy can die in some gruesome ways. So I remember one where, when, where there's a seismic pulse in the air. And you have to avoid it by hiding behind cover. But if you don't, you just get obliterated into many pieces with your arms and legs flying everywhere. Um, so Nathan, I like that. Uh, Poor dude. As, yeah. So as the story progresses, you'll find yourself being able to use the assistance of other people to solve puzzles. I won't say how, because, again, that plays into the narrative, and I don't want to spoil it. There's a few hidden areas as well, dotted around, that you have this like this collectible orb thing. And apparently, if you collect all the orbs, it leads to a secret ending, which I have watched, but I didn't do, um, because I never found all the orbs. I thought you were um, going to whip out the platinum then. <laughs> no, no. I, I didn't actually check the platinum requirements. If it's just complete the game and do the orbs, I might back and do it, I don't know. But towards the end, it does take a very strange and unintentionally, I'm fairly sure, hilarious turn. And I found, well, I found it funny, but I know I probably wasn't supposed to. But I won't say it was, because I think it's it's like one of the significant moments in the entire game. But I just, I, I thought it was quite funny, even though it clearly <laughs> wasn't supposed to be. Um, but overall, yeah, it's dark, bleak, short, sharp narrative game. Uh, takes about three to four hours. I think it, I think it was more, about four for me. Not a cheery game by any means, but I think it's an experience worth going. I mean, have you played? Have you either played Limbo? Well, Matt's probably not playing it due to the antagonist. Well, I, sh- I should have done that. Yeah. Or oh, he got to that bit and then uh, went no. You know what? I'm. I'm. I feel like I might have powered through it. No, oh, that's surprising. If if, if, if I, like... feel, I feel like I I I did get past it, but I did like. It took a while. <laughs> If you like Limbo, you'll like this. But yeah. I'll tell you, there's, there's no there's no spiders. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that for, for now. Oh, perfect game for me then. Yeah. <laughs> there's, li- there's little chicks. Okay, no, no, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> anything more than one leg? No, no, no. <laughs> they don't do anything. They just, you have to use them as part of a puzzle in a weird way. So. But no, that's it was a nice little game. I've been wanting to play it for ages, ever since I played Limbo. Because I played Limbo after this had come out so mm. <laughs> pretty good i liked it okay hey nathan what have you been playing so uh, earlier on this week i purchased a game called borderlands game of the year edition because i know we've been talking about trying to play that for the last what seems like oh 12, no 12 nice, nice playing it single player <laughs> well well we can jump into doing it multiplayer but anyway i'll, I'll get into it so, when you start the game, it starts off with the a narrator called Marcus Kincaid, this Russian guy, basically telling you the premise of the game. So, basically, the game itself focuses on a group of four people called Vault Hunters, and they travel to a distant planet called Pandora, 
which is like a nutrient rich planet in search for something called the vault which is isn't that where the avatar are yeah it's the same planet as <laughs> yeah. well actually on avatar it's pandora's the moon isn't it but anyway is it a doggo yeah fair enough anyway i'll i'll, I'll carry <laughs> on so another planet called pandora yes nutrient rich another one sister planet yep yep sister planet group of four in search for a vault that holds advanced alien technology and other priceless relics so you pick one of these four people to be your character so i picked roland the soldier because he's like like the generic tough guy with guns um mm-hmm. but there's a few other characters you can you can go for and basically the game starts with marcus the bus driver narrating and driving you to a location and then he ends up kicking you off the bus and then you, you're pretty much in this wasteland and you're greeted by this robot called CL4P-TP or as he likes to be called, Claptrap for some reason. Yep. Funny little guy. Um, so he kind of gives you the, I'd say the tutorial um, side of the game. So he'll tell you what to do, he'll lead you to certain locations and he is quite funny. Um, so, for example, if you go to a gate and you've got people coming after you, he's like, oh, I'll open this gate, no problem. And obviously then he starts having trouble. And then he buggers off and leaves you to fend for yourself at one point. But anyway, I'll forgive him because he's quite a quirky guy. But, um, yes, so far it's been it's been really good. You can customise your character as well. And just before you go into the game, it, it comes up with like a hub. So you can play single player, but in the hub, people can join your game so if you guys wanted to get in on it you can there is a leveling system as well so as you kill enemies you get xp and level up and as you level up you get access to new items and it eventually unlocks a skill tree that you can use to unlock certain perks uh, like extra health your bullets do more damage so that's pretty cool but so far in terms of the story i've done the tutorial aspect um, I've done a few missions, killed some bandits because they they kind of they revolve around the camp and they come and try and attack you. And as you go into different things, they'll come and try and throw you off. And also these alien dog things that keep running at you. They're pretty fun and they're very jumpy as well. Oh, that's one thing, actually. And in terms of the controls, I love the floaty jumping. It's great because you can just jump above something that pop it in the face and then off you go. Uh, so that that's really fun. Enjoying that so far. Now, as of this morning, I completed my very first boss called Nine Toes. Now, I don't know why they call him Nine Toes, but apparently he had three balls. So we know where Hitler's other one went. But <laughs> what? That's a, sorry. That's a terrible joke. Um, I'm, I'm just referring to the song. But um, but yeah, I'm, I'm having an absolute blast with it so far because I, I know that you said at one point, Marco, it'll go on the pile of shame. But I, th- I thought, no, it's not going on the pile of shame. I'm going to get this installed. I'll show you, Mark. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> you showed me. <laughs> but because it's a PS4 game, honestly, rapid to install. It probably took about 10 minutes. I'm like, this is fantastic in comparison to the PS5 games that I buy that take about three hours. So that w- that was good. But. 
I think you guys have got it digitally, haven't you? Yes, I've got yes. it. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So yeah, definitely we need to get on that. Now now Mark's sure not Mark's killed FIFA. We need to do this. But anyway. Yeah, it'll be revived one day. When FIFA twenty three comes out. There we go. Yeah. Sure we we'll get to it. We'll see. <laughs> anyway, the other the other game that I played, well, I was playing, I should say, is the FIFA 23 beta. But my entire save corrupted when I went on it after the last podcast. And then I'm like, I'm not playing this anymore. I'm sick of it. So I just deleted it at that point. Because it aggravated me. Pretty much, yeah. But <laughs> yeah, it's gone it well, it wasn't going to be there forever, was it? As soon as the beta ended, that were it. I thought, this is my FIFA now. I can deal with the bugs as long as it's free. So how far did you actually get? I got into my second season of the career. There's no point you buying the next game, is there? You've had your fill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't have my fill until I've done at least two 15-year career modes in, in the year. While, while, while playing about 90% of the games myself as well. So, But yeah. Anyway, that was the last straw for me. <laughs> I was really upset. Yeah. I created my perfect manager and everything. Well, all good things must go to an end. So you deleted the beta in a fit of rage, whereas I did 22. Yeah. 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 Now on that, just to let everybody know, we finally did get to Division 1. But after mm. the last play session, Mark, it was too much for Mark to handle. So he virtually snapped the disc and deleted the game. Yeah. Just as we were on the cusp of greatness. <laughs> cusp of greatness? Yeah. Three state losses. Before that, we weren't going too it's bad. Screw- it, we were being we, screwed we over one, left, right, side. We had one win before then. But... <laughs> yeah, first win in Division 1. Yeah, but that's the high point. Yeah, it's only downhill from there. The resurgence. I suppose we're never going to get anywhere. We're never going to win that division. Of course we, we will. We could... No. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> as far as we got now. <laughs> well, anyway, so we'll never get the Division One title in FIFA 22. We're gonna have to wait for FIFA 23 for that one. And we haven't got to Division One before in any previous FIFA. We got the we got the title yeah, last FIFA. Yeah, we won FIFA. the title in. No, wasn't it? We've never 21. won the Division One title. Yeah, we have. Yeah, we have. I put no, it. In, I put it on Instagram. What? Yeah, let me find it. How have I just put this out of my memory? I thought I'd remember something like that. <sighs> You've got I'm to sure remember was, the good I'm times. Sure it was FIFA 21, though. I thought it was 21. No. I, I thought it was. That. I thought it was 22 as it transitioned across to... Wait a minute. No, you, no you're right. It's, I think it was FIFA 21. We've won trophies. I think we've yeah, won Division 1. No, I'm, I'm sure it was 21. Because that's, that's the one I don't where, where we played Mormon Pirates like a couple of times. We yeah. played them in Division 1. Yeah, we did. No, we didn't. No, we, I think we played them in like Division 3 or something. But I don't think we played them in Division 1. I could be wrong, but I'm fair to we won the league title. We did. You you are right on that one. I, I, Here I, it is. I, the I, photographic I, evidence. What, uh, what FIFA was it? Can you tell? Put that in the chat. just took a dodgy what, screenshot. Looks like 21 to me. Oh no, it was FIFA 20 because I put hashtag FIFA 20. It was even, tw- it's even further back then. <laughs> it's been a while. I thought it was 21. Love me, now. That's why I can't remember it. Too far away. Actually, no, no, that makes sense. We've been 20 because we are just playing 
22 right now so it was about two years back in the height of the pandemic here that's <laughs> when we had that time time to play yeah, we had all the time <laughs> putting some real practice even though i think we've probably played more games on this fifa than any of fifa now probably i still don't believe it even on this photo oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> it never happened that photo never happened it. yeah <laughs> nathan's been playing clubs with someone else yeah <laughs> that that's your game matt not mine. That's not been my game for quite Ooh. a few years. You can quite a few years. Maybe I'm sure. Anyway, do you want to tell us what you've been playing, Matt? Yeah, sure. Uh, so just the the few things for myself over the last two weeks. So uh, I've been continuing uh, playing Genshin Impact. Um, so they released their what Nathan would call Genshin Impact Three, the third game. Uh, even though it's just like three. A, a version three update, so <laughs> um, so they've added a a new part of the world that's based on a new um, element that they've introduced to the game called uh, I think it's called Denro, uh, which essentially just means there's kind of grass element now. So you can sort of combine that with other elements against enemies, and you can like do sort of new kind of um, element combos and stuff, which is, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, been enjoying that. Um, I've not got to the that part of the, I suppose, world as of yet, because I'm still very, very low ranked. Um, I only just made it to what they call eventual rank 20, which then unlocks a new world level. So now I'm on world level one. Which that essentially just means all the enemies now are a little bit tougher to fight against, but you get better rewards for it. So stuff like more money, a little bit more better equipment and stuff. So I'm just going around, still still enjoying um, playing through it. It it feels quite um, relaxing to actually just play because it's not like a typical MMO where you're going to be bumping into people and and whatnot. You just kind of Go out and pretty much do what you want, really. Just uh, just make sure you sort of advance in the stories. And uh, I'm I'm getting to a little a little part of the uh, kind of a, a grindy aspect to it now, because like between ranking up and then doing story missions, once you kind of finish them, there might be some story missions that are only available once you get to like the next adventure rank. So you kind of have to go through, do some of the daily commission uh, missions, which give you like extra um, resources and whatnot to be able to upgrade your characters, your weapons, um, your what they call artifacts, which are essentially just additional gear that you can apply to it. And just just going through that at the moment. So uh, yeah, still enjoying it. Going to get through as much as I can with that when I have spare time, pretty much. So after that, there's uh, one new game that we're playing and another game that I've recently come back to. So um, the one that I've recently come back to uh, for the last sort of two weeks has been Days Gone. So the uh, the first person post-apocalyptic biker game, I suppose. First person? Is it? Sorry, person? third person. Yeah, I was going to say, I didn't Good know apologize. that. No, I'm I'm probably combining that with like dying light or something. Uh, <laughs> it 
similar but so yeah just i've come back to this and wanted to give it sort of another chance see so i feel about it um so at the moment um playing uh you play as a character um deacon saint john that's one of the best names of games i think deacon saint john yeah uh played by sam whitaker actually voiced and motion captured so if you don't know who sam whitaker is he's who was in uh, he plays Darth he, well he voices Darth Maul in the Star Wars animated series um, and well he was also the lead character in the Star Wars Force Awakens series as well so he's he's very attached to Star Wars <laughs> he's been in some other things I think he was in Smallville um, I'm sure Nathan might recall he plays the guy who ends up turning into Doomsday. Oh yeah, there we go. That guy. I think he's coming to Comic Con in November. He probably is. He does like going to Comic Cons and whatnot. So um, let's bring this back on topic. So you play as Deacon, um, and I think the the game is set in some like the north the northwest of uh, America. It originally starts in Oregon, um, Oregon, Oregon, one of them, and you're essentially. you kind of got like your buddy who's called Boozer and um, your wife's yeah, and uh, you got your wife as well who's who's been critically critically injured and you get to a rooftop and there's one of like the um, what they call uh, Nero um, helicopters that are lifting everyone out of the danger zone and you put your wife on um, but there's not enough for like Deacon and Boozer. So Deacon decides he's going to stay behind. He gets the um, address of where the campsite is that they're going to, and they'll make their way there. Then you get essentially a two-year time jump um, where you f- find out that um, the wife, Sally, has presumably dead because Deacon's been to the campsite and it's just been overrun by freakers, as zombies are called in this universe. And you are now essentially just sort of a, a mercenary for hire with, with booze on your bikes, traveling around, just doing dirty jobs and whatnot. And at the start of the game, uh, you get kind of ambushed by these kind of cultists who end up kind of injuring Boozer. So you make your way to a kind of like a, a, an abandoned campsite. Boozer kind of stays there, you know, rests up and whatnot while uh, Deacon goes to find some resources and whatnot. That's pretty much kind of how the game then sort of goes forward, where you you do a couple of missions, you hunt down the guy who you originally were tracking for the courtists um, get to you, and you essentially hunt him down. Uh, I think you, you take something from him as like a, a token of proof that you've murdered this fellow. Um, and then you take it to the camp that's sort of... Um, was hired you and then you essentially start doing little bits and pieces for that camp um going around you start unlocking a few more missions like this at the moment i've got kind of like a couple of different storylines going where it's like one is um very mercenary based where it's like you keep on hunting people for different camps um to get obviously more resources to upgrade your bike um there's also the main storyline of like What's that, as what's really kind of happened with with Sally and your kind of 
journey to go further north, um, which is what Deacon and Booz were kind of doing at the start of the game. And then there's another one all about this um, narrow organisation where you find camps of theirs. Um, and you can get, like, if you clear the camps out, you can get um, these kind of, I suppose, like, stim injectors where you can, like, increase your health, your stamina, or... There was one other thing. Focus, sorry. It's called focus. So where you can sometimes slow down um, the game when you're aiming at an enemy. It's a bit like Red Dead Redemption. Dead Eye. Dead Eye, that was it. A bit like that, but you can't mark where you want to shoot. It just slows down time. Um, so, yeah. So I've been going through that. I've been doing uh, some missions for uh, the first camp. Um, which their leader is called Marcus Copeland, which I was very happy about. Uh, <laughs> very rare that I see that name uh, in games, so I'm, I'm happy. Uh, <laughs> and then, yes, Marcus. <laughs> you don't see that very often, uh, even though it's also in Borderlands, as we've just spoken about already, I think. <laughs> and uh, I'm doing some stuff for another camp as well. So I've not... I'm not too far into it. I'd say a few hours, um, but I do enjoy the the biking aspect of it. I'm starting to get grips of, of the actual because the bike feels quite um, weighty when you're kind of taking corners and stuff, which it, it actually feels nice to kind of just drift round routes and that. So um, is it an open world game, or is it quite linear? Uh, I, I would How's say it? it's open world. Um, I, it's it's one of those where the, the open world will um, open up to you gradually, I believe. Um, I've not really gone out and explored too much because um, your bike does have a, a fuel gauge to it. So um, there are, there are like uh, petrol stations dotted around, um, and then there's camps they can go to where you can pick up like a, a fuel can to refuel as well. So, but I've not upgraded it too much where I can I can go pretty far. Like if it runs out of fuel, that's kind of it. You're on foot f- until you can find like a, a gas can. <laughs> Actually, they <laughs> can refuel it if you're in the middle of nowhere. Um, yeah, and especially the the fast travel mechanics as well um, also works on your fuel. So like, say you want to go from one camp to another camp, you could fast travel to it as long as you're next to your bike or on your bike. But it will take out the amount of fuel that it would probably normally take to get there. Right. So a lot of it is based around the the bike, I suppose. Like it's a really big feature of the game. Um, you just push I'm, the bike. Um, <laughs> well, you you can if you sat on it. Funnily enough, you can like push forward and you'll kind of like, you know, like drag so your feet on the ground to push cause, it. Because I was gonna say, like, surely if you would have fuel in the middle of nowhere. You're gonna to have to rush off somewhere, and then you're gonna to have to bring that fuel back to the bike. Yeah, that yeah. could be a long trek. Uh, it could be. There, there was there was one part in the game where I was cleaning out one of the narrow um, campsites, and the um, sort of building block that's there. Um, you can only open the doors by um, repowering the, I suppose, the camp. But you need a fuel can to do that. And I couldn't find one in the camp at all. So I had to pretty much walk, uh, I think it was approximately 500 metres in-game to find one and walk all the way back. Because you can't 
put one on your bike even and just drive. Unless I've missed that mechanic, maybe I've completely missed it. I wasn't looking too hard, but like whenever you're holding a can and go on your bike, you just drop the can. Yeah. So it was like that. That took forever. That was a bit of a annoyance. Um, but no, uh, I'm actually quite liking it. So I'll um, I'll get back to that and, and play some more at some point. And then the only other game that I played, which is new for me, and I wanted to try this due to sort of recent content that came out is Dead by Daylight. So this is a, if you never heard of it, it is a 4v1 multiplayer um, horror game, in effect. Um, the four people plays um, random survivors, which each have got their own kind of strengths and, and upgrade trees to go through. And then the individual is um, essentially just a hunter. Uh where he plays um, all sorts of, of different um, characters that also have kind of their own strengths and how they hunt and stuff. So how the survivors play is you play as third, third person and you'll be dropped in a map and the objective is to repair these five generators in the map, which then powers up two or three, depending on the map, um, escape doors. But then you've got to pull the lever for each door for a set amount of time to open it, and then you can escape. And the job for the hunter, who plays in first person, is to essentially stop those survivors by essentially just slashing them down, and then once you've knocked them down, you can pick them up, and then you can put them onto these hooks, in effect. And if a survivor gets hooked, um, they can try to set themselves off of it but it's, it's a risk reward thing where there's like a a certain chance where you either hook, unhook yourself or you make yourself kind of worse to the point where there's there's two stages to being hooked so the first one is just kind of a normal you've been hooked kind of meat cleaver style through the through the shoulder um and you just stay there and you can either wait for someone to come and unhook you or you can try and unhook yourself if you do that a couple of times it doesn't work, you go into a second stage, which is also if you get um, hooked a second time, where then these like creepy supernatural spider legs are trying to pierce you in effect and take you to the afterlife. And you have to essentially play this like mini game to essentially stop. Yeah, no, it's great when I get hooked. Um, so you, you got to try and do like a little mini game to essentially delay yourself being killed in effect. So you're going to hope someone unhooks you at that point. So the reason why I kind of got into this or wanted to get into this um, was they did a recent um, content update where they've brought in um, some Resident Evil characters to it, which, yeah. Anything reasonable, I'll, I'll I'll go over and give a try, I suppose. <laughs> um, and they had done that before, but for, for whatever reason, I just didn't want to give it a try at that point. But this time, I, I was more interested into it. So there's there's quite a lot of DLC to the game. In effect, there's a lot of um, classic horror franchises that have been brought into the game. So stuff like um, Silent Hill, you get to play as Casey from Silent Hill. I could be wrong. I'm not familiar with 
the Silent Hill franchise, but that's the survivor. She's got her own kind of unique perks and stuff that she can have. And then the opposite, the sort of, um, I suppose, hunter that you play as is Pyramid Head. He just walks around with like that massive machete, just just killing people as he wants to. Um, and there's other stuff. I think they had um, Saw was in it. Um, so he plays like Detective Trap on the survivor side. And I think for the hunter side, it's the pig head. Um, if you've so seen the film. some evil dead thing as well, didn't they? Yes. There, um, it's Ash. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, I think Ash is. I think they put Ash in it. I can't be too sure. I don't know if it was that or um, I know um, they've got their own very similar style game as well. Their own kind of the evil dead game as well. They've got their own thing going on with that. Yeah, there's uh, there's quite a few into it. So um, for the Resident Evil side of it. They already had so you already had Jill Valentine and you had Leon Kennedy and this new update. Um, they introduced Rebecca Chambers, who's kind of like the medic um, character who's good at healing and, and that kind of stuff. You also had Ada Wong, who's um, I've not played as of yet, but I'm assuming she's quite a tricky character to play. Um, and then like the hunter that they brought in this time was Albert Wesker. Um, and he's a pain to play against when you're a survivor because he's got this kind of massive kind of dash grab move. And I've, I've seen quite a few um, clips of people, uh, of survivors who've like unlocked the end and are like taunting uh, Wesker at the end like before they can get out and then he just zooms and grabs them and just slams them against the wall, which is quite fun to watch. Um but no, I've actually been quite enjoying it. There is there is a lot of there is a lot of teamwork involved that, that has to be done in this. Um, there's plenty of games that I've played where no one's really working as a team. It's very kind of individual, <laughs> trying to lone wolf it, or there's one person who's just going to survive at the end. Because like if there's one survivor, if you're like the lone survivor at the end, the you don't have to do the generators anymore. Now you can just either try and open the door or there's a secret hatch around the map that you can just escape in so it's not like you've got to do everything and hope for the best kind of stuff um but nine times out of ten the hunters kind of won so like i played i played one game as the hunter i think i was um i pretty much managed to kind of kill three of them and unfortunately the last one managed to get away which was very annoying no, I'm having uh, some, some good fun with it. So definitely one I think I'll, I'll go back to eventually. Shall we move on to a question then? Yeah, 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 let's do the question. Okay, so with this being our 64th episode, what better time to ask the following question? What is your favourite Nintendo 64 game? Oh, I thought you were going to say what's your favourite Mega Drive game. Damn it. Yeah. I thought it was going to be like 360. We'll get there. Yeah, yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> In about four decades. Yeah. So I kick us off. Yeah. Yeah, you kick us off. Okay, so my favourite N64 for can't even get that right. N64 game is of course GoldenEye 007. So I won't Shocker. go into it. Yeah, I won't go into it too much because it's been a Hall of Fame game and we've spoken about it at great length. So go back and check that. Um, we'll just. 
basically it's just it's just one of the earliest great 3d first person shooters of course which is based off the james bond film starring pierce brosnan uh but basically what's great about goldeneye is that it's it's one of those games that defined a change in the genre mm-hmm. so it wasn't it wasn't all about running around and just shooting the bad guys um but you had to go around like completing objectives as well didn't you mm, yeah and, the the gunplay felt quite more, quite unique, you know, with the precision aiming of the gun. You know, that just felt quite satisfying to use. Um, there's a nice choice of weapons and gadgets. You know, the laser watch was a particular highlight. That's pretty cool to use. And then you had the dual wielding, didn't you, of the weapons. That was that was jolly good fun. Um, for the time, the graphics were good. You know, you got to look at those, those stretched faces, haven't you? Um, but the, the, the characters were recognisable, weren't they? You know. Yeah. had actual replications of the people in in the film. Uh, and then, of course, you had the wonderful music, which were like remixes of the James mm. Bond theme, Very which good. were quite memorable. Um, a few months where you got to ride a tank, which was a nice change of pace. Um, AI, a bit wonky at times. You know, who could ever forget Natalia? And she, she just decides to walk into the middle of a gunfight with no care in the world and get herself killed. Had some cool cheats in there as well. But then you had the multiplayer as well, which was a highlight. That was really entertaining. Yes. Very good yeah. Yeah. Seeing Tiny Odd Job was always hilarious. Um, it's just one of the very few times a game has managed to take a film license and actually produce something really good from it. I mean, that's it's quite a rarity, isn't it, really? Um, I, think, I think it's quite fairly accurate as well with the missions. I think that's it. I think it's because it's quite faithful to the film. Yeah. In a lot of ways. So I think that just adds, adds to it. Um, so yeah. That's it, that's it. Basically, that's it. Goldeneye is my pick of favourite N64 game. So, Matthew, what's yours? So, mine is going to be uh, no shock to anyone. Um, for anyone who's listened for all these podcasts, uh, my game is also in the Hall of Fame because I put it in there myself. Uh, and that game is The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Yes, horror shock. So... I just have very fond memories of this game um, throughout kind of my childhood and then into my early adulthood as that was the time when I actually completed it because I couldn't because I was couldn't do it as a kid because I was too chicken. Uh, <laughs> no reason why. Um, but I think it was just uh, at the time like a, a masterpiece of how to do 3D, you know, open world adventure games you know very early on um just kind of affected a lot of things really i thought the you know the combat was really good being able to z lock on and be able to kind of you know dodge flip um do slashing attacks um all sorts of attacks really and stuff the amount of equipment that you get in the game as well really um Really added to the uh, experience as well. You know, each item that you get in the dungeons um, was very specific and had its uses for that dungeon. You know, so if you need to get, you know, if you've got the boom boomerang, then clearly you need to be using it for boomerang purposes. Um, the layout of the dungeons as well, I think, are very memorable. I think I could probably tell you what each item is in each room for for each dungeon. Don't call me. Uh, <laughs> and just the just the sense of adventure as well, kind of you know going through the game um, to a certain point, you know, and then kind of getting to a down point, 
where you think that kind of the villains won. You go in, you know, I think the the cutscene where you first kind of pick up the Master Sword is also quite iconic. You know, just kind of going in there, picking the sword up, kind of bright lights, and then as you come back into it, you get a bit of a first person perspective of kind of lifting the sword and seeing, oh, you've turned into kind of like a adult version of Link now. And the game still carries on for like five, six more dungeons then. It was cool. Um, the boss fights, always memorable as well. They were really cool. Um, the one against Ganondorf, I think, towards the end is probably a big highlight for me, where you're just kind of playing tennis. Uh, <laughs> but it's cool, kind of seeing how that all worked and stuff. Um, yeah, just everything. Even the music, I think, some some of the best music in at least N64's kind of library of games for sure so yeah um easily a masterpiece in in my um in my library that i've played of games so right what's uh what was your pick nathan mine is so stereotypical you fever <laughs> yeah it's actually fifa soccer 64 how did you know <laughs> oh <laughs> i'm joking i actually i didn't even get into fifa until fifa 12 Really? really? That, um, quite that late on. Wow. I never, I never used to like FIFA when I was younger. Here's me remember the days of FIFA Night 4 and all that. I know, I'm there in like 96 playing indoor football. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so mine is Super Mario 64. <laughs> there is a reason. I'm, I'm sure uh, that was my pick last night. <laughs> that's why I put my... Um, Finger of my lip, like, <laughs> give it away. Um, but yeah, I think not only for the reason that I like it, but if you just look at the launch games that came out of the N64, I think this was its sa- this was the launch title saving grace because we had FIFA Soccer 64, we had Pilot Wing 64, Star Wars: Shadows of the Empire, Turok. Dinosaur Hunter. Actually, that was pretty good. And then Wayne Gretzky's 3D Hockey, which I'm not into hockey, so that was a non-starter. And we had Super Mario 64, which was an absolutely fantastic game. And I don't think you could own this N64 without having Mario 64, Super Mario 64. It's just one of those titles that you must have if you've got the console. As is the games that you've talked about as well. That Honestly, like if you're going to it's probably that all the games we're going to talk about is in like the top five and 64 games you could get for the console. But anyway, I'll, I'll get on to why I've, I've decided to pick this game. So it, it was, well, obviously it was the game that brought Mario into the 3d space fully. And it's a, it's a fantastic platformer. And I think even a lot of the more modern Mario titles take from it as well, just in the way it plays um, but the, it just brings the graphics a bit more up to date. But the, the reason that I decided to pick it is because um, when I was younger, um, I used to go to the hospital quite regularly. And in the corner in the waiting room, they had an N64 with Super Mario 64. And um, it was like an unwritten rule that if anyone was around it, you'd get one life, you'd play as much as you could until you died, and then you'd hand it over to the next person and then they'd play. Uh, but it was it was nice because 
everyone all played by the rules and then even if you died you'd kind of sit behind and then watch the other person play just to see how far you could get together and just have that time like I know a few people and they were a lot iller than I was and just for them few minutes of like seeing them smile and be happy just playing this game um, just to take their mind off what's going on around them it was just fantastic and just to be with other kids um, and just having a really good time it was just really really nice and like memories that I cherish, like if a, if somebody um, had complete a level, would you like clap for them and stuff like that? It was just it was just like a really really happy group and just really a really nice atmosphere to be around. And and that's basically it. That's that's the reason that I picked it just because it brought so much happiness to so many people. Very good. Aww. Very nice. Do you want a bonus bit of news? Ooh, bonus news. Because it, it was very it, it was very fitting that this thing happened just at this right time. So a Canadian gamer has become the first person to complete every N64 game released in North America. Wow. Do you know how, do you know how many games that was? Uh, I, I want to say 300 and something. You're not far off. It's Wow, I would have gone somewhere like 800. <laughs> no, no, not quite that much. It's 296. Ooh. So going I by the name... As many games as I thought it would be. Well, it's just a North American <laughs> collection. Yes. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm sure Japanese has probably got. That's ridiculous. still a lot of games there. But, um, <laughs> yeah, definitely. But uh, he's going by the name of Ace Gamer Sam. He began his Twitch channel six years ago, where he started streaming his challenge for viewers. He said that he loved uh, Super Mario 64, as you just mentioned, uh, Perfect Dark, and Banjo Kazooie. But he wasn't a fan of Aiden Chronicles. And in conclusion, he said this Super Mario 64. It was important to me because it came full circle. It's the first three-dimensional game I played and replayed when I was eight or nine years old. It accompanied me in my youth when I went to play with friends too. To return to this game and to play, it represents a form of comfort for me. I guess that's very reminiscent of what you just mentioned. Nice. But yeah, to this day, N64 still very popular. Quite clearly. Mm. He, must have, he must have had a lot of people watching him as well. Yeah. And to go for just under 300 games, that's quite a feat. In six years, that's impressive and he's completed them all not just played them completed them which is quite insane because games are more difficult than games are more difficult than they were now i wonder what the longest n64 game is to complete now do nintendo ds (laughs) (laughs) oh apparently starcraft 64 87.5 hours so that's a bit of a juggernaut in itself yeah well done Fair dues to you. I don't even think I've completed one N64 game, never mind all of them. Let's get on that challenge, then. That's it. Maybe in six years, I'll be just like him. Probably not, but yeah, maybe I'll complete one. Challenge accepted. <laughs> so there you have it. That's our favourite N64 games. If you enjoyed listening to us, please consider tuning in next time. We release bi-weekly on Tuesdays. You can visit our website at jokingdolphin.com where we post the Hall of Fame. Also, feel free to follow us on all social media platforms to continue the conversation. You can find Joker Dolphin on YouTube and Facebook, as well as on Instagram and Twitter, at Joker Dolphin. Until next time, thanks for listening. Goodbye. Bye. See you later.